Good morning. It's Friday, the 16th of June, and I'm Govindraj Ethiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top reports for today: India's exports decline for the fourth month in a row as a global economy slowdown takes grip. An ITC stock and theme story, and why this value investor bet on it in 2020. India's semiconductor plans are ambitious, but how strong is the business case? The Microsoft stock is on fire as it lines up generative artificial intelligence into its suite of products. This is a core report with Govindraj Ethiraj. Economists at the World Trade Organization in April this year had predicted that growth in 2023 was expected to be subpar and grow by 1.7% as opposed to 2.7% in 2022. The reasons for this, said the WTO, were the war in Ukraine, stubbornly high inflation, tighter monetary policy and financial market uncertainty. This is now playing out in India's numbers as well. India's exports for the month of May declined 10% to 35 billion dollars while imports fell 6.6% to 57 billion dollars according to data shared by the government's trade ministry yesterday. More importantly, India's exports have now contracted for the fourth month in a row after contracting around 12% in April due to a global demand slowdown even as the trade deficit reduced to a 20 month low of around 15 billion dollars. Now, India's exports had crossed 750 billion dollars in the last financial year leading quite obviously to much cheer around. Of this, physical exports had risen 6% to touch 447 billion dollars. The rest of it is services exports, the kind of stuff an Infosys or a Wipro does. India's trade minister Piyush Goel 2 months ago said India would achieve 2 trillion dollars of exports in 7 years time. He said a 1 trillion dollar would be the product of physical goods and another trillion dollars would be services or the kind of work IT services companies do to understand the significance of this slowdown expected as it may be and what areas could hurt more in the outlook ahead i spoke to ajay sahai ceo of the federation of indian export organizations which works with over 100000 exporters in india which in turn reflect over 70% of india's exports in fact uh, we were very clear that looking into the global uh, circumstances we will have little slowdown in export in the first two quarter of the current uh, calendar year we expect the situation to improve from the third quarter because globally the interest rates are softening and the financial squeezing is not further happening and i'm pretty sure that this will definitely give a push to the demand and as of now it's not only india if you are looking into all major economies including us china they are facing a slowdown there are a number of factors which has affected the slowdown including the inflation then the geopolitical situation but probably we have to live with this kind of geopolitical situation and that's why we are of the view that probably we will have better export number commencing from july onwards Right. So if you were to go a little deeper, which areas are you seeing being affected more at this point of time and which are likely to drive recovery maybe in two quarters time? In fact, there we are seeing a mixed trend because when you are looking into the export number, there are certain segments where our base is not very high. For example, if you are taking the case of electronics, 
we are still on a low base of around 25 billion dollar a year and since we have lot of investment flowing from the pli uh, we are seeing much better performance in the electronic sector at the same time if you are looking into the engineering sector where of course the demand is not much there we are seeing little slow down similarly if you are talking about the labor intensive sectors in some of the sector particularly in overall textile we expect that uh, we will be having better times because globally the cotton prices are moving up and probably from this quarter onwards we will have better results from the apparel sector at the same time we are feeling some challenge to continue for gems and jewelry sector because gems and jewelry as a sector is facing definitely headwinds due to the sharp decline in the purchasing power globally so it's a mixed trend in some of the sunrise sector we are expected to do well in some of the labor intensive sectors we will continue to do well and one sector where i think we are expected to do much better is in the agriculture export except where we are putting restriction on agriculture export looking into the price situation into the country we are expecting a growth of around 15 to 20% in agriculture exports as well and i'll come back to the outlook in a second but you know last year we did exports of about 447 billion dollars that's physical which was up 6% how do you see it this year as, as things stand today this year we are we are expecting in the merchandise sector an export number of 490 to 500 billion dollar in services between 400 to 410 billion dollar that means we are looking into increasing overall export from 775 billion dollar this year to around 900 billion dollar in the current year your outlook is therefore pretty strong at least from the numbers that you're saying no absolutely because we feel that uh, we have now provided the logistics uh, sector and the infrastructure has provided much needed competitiveness to the export sector more inflow into the pni scheme will create further base for export of manufacturing into the country and that's why we are quite bullish on the export segment Dr. Sai, you mentioned the PLI scheme as playing a significant part. Can you expand on that a little more and how it could play out in coming months? If you are looking into the PLI segment today, uh, electrical, electronics, machinery they account for roughly thirty-five percent of the global trade with a whopping figure of around seven trillion dollar. Unfortunately, in this segment, India share is even not one percent. We are importing these goods of around hundred billion dollar since PLI scheme. cover all these segments and we have seen good result coming into the electronics we feel that in next 4 to 5 years we will have the similar situation coming in electrical and machinery segment and maybe drugs and pharma as well so far as the sunrise sectors are concerned but since pli inflow will be seen in food processing and textile and other segment also hopefully in the labor intensive sectors also we will see better number that's why we are of the view that our export strategy has to be mix of focus on the new segment of uh, exports as well as the traditional sector because traditional sector may not be targeting towards uh, rising imports but they are extremely important for creation of jobs into the country right uh, dr sai thank you so much for joining me thank you a slowing global economy that has been projected elsewhere has multiple levels of impact for example a slowing global economy has a domino effect on various other streams of income as well which may not be so apparent at the outset take for example global remittance flows to india which had grown 24% to hit 111 billion dollars in 2022 that's the calendar year 
Now, that growth figure is expected to decelerate sharply to just 0.2% in 2023 because of slower growth in the OECD or Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development Countries, according to the latest Migration and Development Brief released by the World Bank. Now, remittances represented just 3.3% of GDP in 2022, unlike many other smaller countries where remittances constitute substantial chunks of their national income. Nevertheless, the impact would be felt more in some parts of the country than others. Also, did you know, as this report says, that almost 36% of India's remittances come from the high-skilled and largely high-tech Indian migrants in the three high-income destinations, that's the United States, United Kingdom and Singapore, where the post-pandemic recovery led to a tight labor market and wage hikes that boosted remittances. So you can see in some ways how many things are unraveling at the same time. Now, let's look at our theme for the day. What's common to packaged paneer pakoda, coconut water, bingo chips, savlon soap, flour for making chapati, and if you've not guessed already, cigarettes? The answer is, of course, ITC, a tobacco-to-consumer products and hotels company, which is more of a conglomerate with a diverse set of businesses housed into a single entity. Its stock price is something most stock market people have made fun of, until recently, of course. It seemed to hover between 200 rupees and 300 rupees for almost a decade, till it slipped below 200 rupees during peak COVID in 2020, though not as much as many other stocks did. By the way, it closed yesterday at 448 rupees. I'm keeping today's theme a little more linked to the stock and the buying of it, since the businesses, interesting and diverse as they are, would take much longer to dive into. Some latest numbers now. ITC clocked gross revenue for the year-ended 22-23 at around 69,480 crores, up about 17.6% from the previous year. Profit after tax stood at 18,753 crore rupees, up about 24.5%. These are unusually high numbers for a mixed business company like ITC, always known as a tobacco company and working hard for at least three decades, as I can see, to change that perception by diversifying aggressively into consumer products, hotels, agricultural businesses, and of course, paper. But let's look at the numbers once again. Today, ITC cigarette business is worth around 28,000 crore, going by those latest numbers, while its consumer product business, comprising a whole range of brands, some of which I already mentioned, is worth around 19,123 crores. Its agri-business, including leaf tobacco exports, is about 18,000 crores. Paper boards and paper is about 9,000 crores. And hotels, with 121 properties, is about 2,585 crores. ITC says its approach now is to build on a portfolio of 25 mother brands, which already reflect an annual consumer spend of about 29,000 crore rupees. It says it will grow organically and through acquisitions, as it did with the brand Savlon for Soaps, Skin Care for Charmis, and Spices with Sunrise. ITC is therefore now more of a consumer or a consumption stock in keeping with the broad investment theme of many investment banks and brokerages, including the Morgan Stanley report that I referred to yesterday. For now and for time reasons, let me reproduce a conversation I had with Aswad Damodran, Professor of Finance at the Stern School of Business at New York University, where he teaches corporate finance and valuation courses in the MBA program. Now, Damodran is considered a guru on valuation, and I had this opportunity to speak to him over a TEDx gateway conversation in the peak of COVID in June 2020, when buying stocks was the furthest from people's minds. 
Okay, there are lots of questions still flowing in Aspat, but uh, maybe for the home ground, uh, it's only fair that I ask, uh, what's the one Indian stock that you would have uh, liked to invest in or would still like to invest in if you could or you would? What's the one Indian stock? If I'm looking at India to balance out my portfolio now, I would rather have a U.S. tech company than an Indian tech company, to be quite honest, simply because I think um, I, I understand the U.S. tech companies a little better than the Indian tech companies. So I would go with uh, perhaps um, a company like IPC at 150 or 170 rupees. You remember we talk about I, I don't have very many cash flow companies in my portfolio. And I know Indians are not going to stop smoking as quickly as people <laughs> in the rest of the world. It's a morbid bet in a way because you're betting on something that is dangerous for people. And uh, my Indian stocks might be old time Indian manufacturing companies that get really damaged in this crisis, but I think will make it back. Perhaps it's time I dug a little deeper into old-time Indian manufacturing companies. So where are we on our semiconductor dreams? India's first semiconductor manufacturing plant by Vedanta Foxconn has faced some hurdles in getting approvals, though the company says it is hiring people, lining up suppliers and customers, and is all set to break ground in Dholera in Gujarat in November. Vedanta Foxconn CEO David Ree told Business Today that he is seeing both Indian and overseas customers for their products, which aims to start rolling out in the first half of 2027, which is a 40 nanometer plant. So why 40 nanometer and not the more advanced 28 nanometer, which, by the way, Vedanta Foxconn first applied for permission, that is, and did not get it. Well, the answer to that is that the consensus in India is that India needs the 40 nanometer wafer more than the 28 nanometer one. Now, all of this sounds a little confusing, but I also got some strategic insights into how India is approaching its semiconductor ambitions. And I also asked if it makes business sense for the government to come in with 50% or more of incentives in a conversation with Ajay Chaudhary, co-founder of HCL, widely regarded as a father of Indian computer hardware and also advisor to the government's India Semiconductor Mission. So you see, uh, the challenge that the country is facing is that we are now giving pretty much 70% of the capex. From if you take center, 50%, state, 20%. So when 70% of the money for putting up the plant is being put in by the Indian government, Indian government has to be very, very sure that the combination of management quality, funding, technology, and partnership is all taken care of. Okay, If any of these things are missing, the government has a major challenge taking the decision. And that's why decisions are not happening. And the second reason is that each of these four points might be taken care of. The fifth point is also very important, which is having a good business plan. This business plan should have a clear strategy of saying, where are my customers going to come from? So all this needs to be put together by anybody who applies. Then the application will be looked at by the ISM. And within ISM, there are backend people who are looking at it. And there are close to five, six very, very well-known global Indians who evaluate each project. And they then go into such detail where a lot of the people who applied in the past could not answer their questions. So I think it's the right approach that we are taking because if we are going to spend this kind of money, 
we don't want tomorrow a problem in parliament when somebody says you know we spent 70% and nothing came out we can't afford to do that so i think the government is absolutely right in taking time over it let's not rush these things these things are not to be done overnight what is the hurry after all we lost 30 years we can afford to lose another 6 months okay so let me ask you sort of two quick questions to that one is if the subsidy or the incentive has to be up to 70% then it also suggests or reflects the fact that there is no real business case in doing so for the entrepreneur or the business house no you know it's like this that incentives are given by many many countries okay in the past we never got a semiconductor plant going because our incentives were very poor and the second reason why we couldn't get it all going was that the incentives were to be paid post investment here what the government is saying that we will pay pre investment that is why it's a much more risky proposition and there's a very big challenge in the world today every country is upgrading its semiconductor capability because everyone has gone through this disruption of supply chains so america is very very clear that they want the latest and they want huge volume but they are giving only 30% incentive europe is also doing the same japan has invited tsmc to set up there everybody in the world is today wanting a semiconductor investment so in this environment where do you go as a country you need to position yourself very differently and therefore your positioning is we want a older node we want to we will give you 70% if you manufacture in india and we want to make sure that you are successful and we will ensure that you get the business to be successful so i think all of this is the total policy of the isf My conversation with Ajay Choudhury will be out this Saturday as part of our weekly series Connecting the Dots. So head over to the course YouTube channel. The link will be in the description and subscribe to get full access to the full interview. And before I go, Microsoft is the latest old new kid on the AI block at least from a market's perspective. The stock is on fire as the Bill Gates founded software giant now introduces generative artificial intelligence features into a suite of products and more specifically open AI into Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook and Word. And all of this is going to cost money. To get a sense on how it works, search for Microsoft Copilot on Google or YouTube and watch one of the company product videos. If you use PowerPoint frequently and particularly using numbers and trends, then you will be amazed with the kind of intelligent computation and analytics you can use even as you convert to visuals. Now, Bloomberg says that Microsoft is OpenAI's largest shareholder, its biggest financial backer and its key technology partner. So now you can see things connecting up. And to a great extent, it's Microsoft that now has the responsibility of turning ChatGPT's buzz into a real business, which it presumably is. Meanwhile, Microsoft stocks have already risen over 43% this year. That's it from me. Have a great weekend. Do share this podcast with friends and family if you like it and check out our weekend video connecting the dots and see you Monday morning. This was the core report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. 
Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in that is www.thecore.in or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.